Amen. God's plan never fails. Don't doubt him. We need to doubt ourselves at time and our own ability, but we never need to doubt him. John chapter 4 tonight. I've enjoyed the music here tonight. It's been a blessing. We, uh, we sing in, in Sri Lanka. We, in our Bible study on Sunday afternoon, we have a we sing mostly, uh, it's, of course, it's my family singing, and we get a few others that come, and this, our music is so different from anything that they have at all that it's very, very strange. Some start to try to sing mostly. If, I'm just glad when they start to hum along, you know, and, so, and we get some. We sing Jesus Loves Me a lot. That's not a kid song. It's our every Sunday song, and uh, some start to sing that, and it's exciting. John chapter 4, we're going to begin there in verse 1. The Bible says, when, therefore, the, the Lord knew that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus made and baptized more disciples than John, though Jesus himself baptized not but his disciples, he left Judea and departed again into Galilee. And he must needs go through Samaria. Then cometh he to a city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, near to the parcel of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Now Jacob's well was there, Jesus therefore being wearied with his journey, sat thus on the well, and it was about the sixth hour. There cometh a woman of Samaria to draw water. Jesus saith unto her, Give me to drink. For his disciples were gone away unto the city to buy meat. Then said the woman of Samaria unto him, How is it that thou, being a Jew, asketh drink of me, which am a woman of Samaria? For the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. Jesus answered and said unto her, If thou knewest the gift of God, and who it is that saith to thee, Give me to drink, thou wouldest have asked of him, and he would have given thee living water. On verse 11, the woman said unto him, Sir, thou hast nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. From whence then hast thou that living water? Let's go to the Lord in prayer together this evening as we get started. Father, I do pray that you would meet with us tonight. Lord, I pray that you would speak to each heart. Lord, give us ears to hear, eyes to see. Lord, give us a tenderness to your word. Lord, I pray that you would bless this church. Lord, thank you for their part in, in our ministry in Sri Lanka. Lord, I pray that you would bless our time together here this evening. And we'll thank you for it. In Jesus' name. Amen. So the, the woman said to Jesus, you have nothing to draw with. Jesus said, if you, if, you knew who I, if, you, if you knew the gift of God and you knew who I was, you'd ask me for that living water. And she right away says, well, you have nothing to draw with. And, of course, the well is deep. And so how would you even get this water? You know... Um, You and I may not have anything to draw with, but it's not the case for the Lord. Um, we, we have nothing. We don't have anything in our hands that has the ability to do the things that Jesus Christ can do. Sometimes we, we think we have a good plan, uh, some way figured out. Uh, we think we can figure life out by some of the ideas and so forth. I, our first term in Sri Lanka, we went in 2007, 
and uh, we were there at that time with uh, a different type of visa, and so we very fragile time during those days, and and uh, struggling to learn the language, right? Uh, learning language. I've been studying linguistics for years and years now, but it's still hard. I've, I've come to learn that it's just difficult for me. I have to work hard to get a little ways, and now I can at least communicate pretty good. And, and so, uh, but during this, this time, I was struggled to connect and, and get the truth to people, and I thought, if I could just have the language, have just, if I could get a way to communicate, wow, then they would all be saved. Well, maybe not all, but I, you know, I'd, I'd been a church planner, so I know it wasn't that exciting, but I know the hope is very little there. And what they anticipate is so small, and I thought, wow, if I could just... So, of course, this term back, we, I've learned to speak more, uh, singular in the area that we're in. Uh, we can interact with the people so much more. And I found that as we were able to communicate with them, I thought, for sure they're all going to want to just come and receive the hope of, of Jesus Christ. Right? No, it's... And I thought, I, I, can I be quite honest? I, I, would, I didn't have some, like pie-in-the-sky idea. Wow, I'm going to get there and the whole nation's going to have revival. I wasn't thinking that, but I did think people would hear the truth and, and, and want what Jesus was offering. Same thing, when I heard the truth at 22 years old, I, I jumped on, at the opportunity to be saved and began to follow the Lord with my life. And um, it really, I have to say, it set, set me back quite a bit. I thought, wow, I thought some would. And I found, find such a resistance, not a resistance to the gospel. They, they love to sit there and listen to the gospel. But very few have any intention of turning away from their idols unto a living and true God. So sometimes we think we have a good plan how to figure things out. And then, it, and then we wonder why, why my plan didn't work. Why didn't... Why didn't my skill and my ability, my ideas, why don't they work? You know, the fact is, we have nothing to draw with. Uh, this may be the most frustrating thing for me in Sri Lanka. I want to find a way to be able to reach the heart of the Sri Lankan people. They would hear the gospel and realize there's a hope. You know... It's kind of, I suppose, like a, a cancer doctor that has a surefire cure. I know that doesn't exist, but if there was one, right? If there was a cancer doctor that said, we have this surefire, this, this cure is going to work. And then you begin to, the patient comes up and they, they show these signs. The doctor says, it's going to kill you, but if you do this, it's going to be, you're going to be fine. And the patient just says, no, nah, I, I like what you're saying, doctor, but I'm just not going to do it. And that doctor is, maybe, maybe he's the doctor that, that found the cure, discovered it, and he's trying to get this across, and the people won't accept it. It's, I, I imagine that, that would be, a, from a medical perspective, be frustrating. Um, I suppose every area of our life, whatever kind of profession or kind of situation we do, we find those kind of things that are frustrating. But I'll tell you, Ultimately, it's frustrating when you share the gospel with people. They look you in the eye and they understand what you're saying and they still say, I'll hear you again on this matter. I'll hear you again and I'll hear you again. It's, 
This is a difficult thing, particularly when you want them to be saved. Amen? But I've, I've come to the realization that I have nothing to draw with. Um, if souls are going to be drawn to faith in Christ, it's going to have to be the work of the Holy Spirit. Um, this is a supernatural work that we do. Um, sometimes we can, we can simplify it to the simple steps of salvation. We can make it so simple that we think, if people just get this thing, and it is simple, the, the, the gospel is simple, there's a simplicity in Christ, but we think simply, if I get this across, but, but there, often we want to skip the part of God, the Spirit of God working in their hearts. And we must realize this is a supernatural work that we're doing. The Spirit of God has to do something. Look at verse 12. She's saying to Jesus, she said, Art thou greater than our father Jacob, which gave us the well, and drank thereof himself and his children and his cattle? Jesus answered and said unto her, Whosoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again, but whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst, but the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water, springing up into everlasting life. What Jesus provides is beyond normal. Okay. Um, in other words, we can't just simply explain it. I can remember the first time I heard the gospel. Really, to the best of my knowledge, the first time I heard the gospel is when I got saved. God would, certainly was drawing me by the Spirit of God, but I, had, I was waiting to hear something. I didn't know what it was. And then I, February 25th, 1996, I walked into a Baptist church and heard the gospel the first time, and I, got, and I trusted Christ as my Savior. And so, you know, um, when I got saved, it was like this is, I was trying to find the answer. I was looking for a hope, and I finally got to the place that, that the answer was provided me. And I found that answer. I said, okay, that's what I want to do. And I, I trusted Christ as my Savior. But I didn't understand all the things of God. And I can remember at that time that I had, yeah, I, I got saved. And the, the preacher was, he was ecstatic. I mean, he was just, he was kind of jumping around. He was a little guy. And he was just jumping around. He was all excited. He said, it's like a, it's like, it's like a, a, a lamb in a field of clover. And I thought, I don't, I don't even know what that means. You know, I, but he was excited, and my cousin was there, and, and he just kept going on. I thought, yeah, I'm glad I'm saved. I, I, you know, I, I just didn't understand it all. I just thought, yeah, this is the step I was supposed to take. It's the right thing to do. That's kind of the way my mind works. But you know what happened after I got saved and began to live for the Lord and began to read the Bible, right, and understand what, what actually took place in my life, not just saved from hell, but saved from the burden of sin right now. And I began to see the hope and all the things. You know what I found out? When, when I would lead someone to the Lord now, it's so much more exciting. You know what I want to do? I want to jump around and talk about lambs and clover and stuff. I don't even understand what it means still. I'm just saying it's exciting now because I know what it means. It's not just, yeah, this is the right thing to do. I mean, because that's kind of, uh, listen, it's so much more exciting. This isn't something that's just... Um, we don't just muscle through this thing with people and just try to work our way through. It's, a, it's an amazing transaction that takes place between man and God. 
we get to be the cashier. Isn't that pretty exciting? I mean, we get to just touch the transaction, you know, like in the grocery store. We just get to run it through the, I mean, it, it's, that's our part. That's our part. We just get to, to be there to be a part of it. What a thrill that is to get to be a part of it. But it's not ours to make happen. Um, we can't force it. I always, I've often said through the years, I wish I had a salvation stick. Or I could just go clock somebody on the head and they'd be saved. It'd be great. Just go down the road and just, you know, busy malls or something. It just um, doesn't work like that. I've tried. No, I <laughs> We can't make someone be saved. I heard somebody come by to me one time and somebody we, we had been working with, they said, well, did they get saved yet? Like, <laughs> like, what's taking you so long? <laughs> like, man, if there was a quicker way, I'd find, I'd want it. Tell me, you know, is there a quicker way to get, find that stick and, you know, and, and do it? But this isn't something we force. This is something that we, we get to be a part of. How do we know when the transaction's ready to be made? It's kind of tough to know sometimes. Are they? Well, verse 15. After Jesus talked about this, this water, that, that this well of water springing up into everlasting life, the woman saith unto him, Sir, give me this water that I thirst not, neither come hither to draw. You know, I find the place that we get to is when she wanted it. When she wanted what was offered. You know, we don't, we don't offer a pie in the sky, everything is wonderful dream of heaven. We, we, don't, we don't teach if you'll just pray this prayer, you can have heaven. Um, can I tell you, I could, get, I could get prayers every day in Sri Lanka if I just said, if you just pray this prayer, you could come right through. Um, but we talk about there's a living Savior. We're not going to read through all this this evening, but Jesus pretty much said to her, you don't, know what what, you don't know what you believe. You don't know what you're worshiping. He said, but we know. The Jews know what they're worshiping in truth. And, and God is a spirit. You must worship him in spirit and in truth. So we present the word of God to them in a way that tells about a living Savior. A God that loves them and provide a Savior to forgive their sin. That's an exciting thing to talk about. Um, many, many, I would say most Buddhist people in Sri Lanka don't see sin as something that's involved in their life. Um, I, I suppose it's probably the same most places. <laughs> Uh, they don't really see sin as an issue that they see that I'm following the law of or the, the, the rules, the standards, or the way according to the way they want to, to, to live it. I can remember when I was a, a chaplain in the jail in, in, in Iowa, I was starting a church there. We, I was a chaplain in, in our county jail, and I'd go in there, and I'd go cell to cell. I couldn't meet with them all, so I'd go cell to cell and talk to them about, uh, about the Lord and share the gospel with them. And, I'd always ask them, they're standing there holding the bars, and I'd ask them, if you died today, do you believe you go to heaven? They said, most of them, 90% would say, oh yeah, oh yeah. And I'd say, well, why? 
They'd say, well, because I'm a good person. You know, you know, here's the thing, folks. Good is so relative. We all think we're good. I like to ask the, the Sri Lankan Buddhist people, I like to say, who's counting the karma? How much good karma do you have to have? And, and every time I start asking them, they, they, don't really, they, have, they have zero answers. Because there is nobody, there is no God, there is no help. There's no one out there for them at all. I can remember asking one guy many years ago, I said, who are you? I said, who do you pray to? He said, no, we don't pray. I said, well, no, I see you, you know, praying. You see them very common. Anytime they walk by a statue, they're supposed to, if it's their own uh, temple or so forth. They, and, they, and I said, he said, no, we're not, we don't pray. He said, I said, um, and I tried to reword it another way. Of course, now I understand a lot more. They're not praying. They're just, they're just worshiping to try to be like them. It's meditation, different things. But I, I said, I asked him this way. I said, if you're not praying, I said, who do you cry out to? Who do you call out to when you have, when your heart's broken, your parents don't have any answer for you, your friends don't have any answer, you've gone to the, the, the monk and he doesn't have any answer. I said, who do you cry out to then? He said, oh. He thought about it for a moment. He looked back and he said, we have no one. You know, what a tragic thing that you realize you have no hope outside yourself. And the only hope that you have is in here. And that's what they teach. And there's nothing outside of you to help you. It's a direct opposition to Jesus Christ is what that teaching is. There's nothing out there to help you. It's only what's in here. I don't know. Maybe it's like some champion inside or something. I don't know what the whole concept is, but you ask them, none of them meet up to it. I talked to one, one fellow. He's a very devout uh, Buddhist man, friend of mine. Friend, I've been friends with him from 2008, and, and we've spent a lot of time together, and and um, he was talking to me one day, and I was kind of questioned about some of these things different times. And he said, you know, if you, if you do this, you can't be reborn into a human form. You've got to be a worm or something. And if you're bad enough, you have to live like a thousand lives as a worm or something like this. And, and, but the goal is to be born again as a human. That's the highest. But evidently, that would be the top end. I said, so what happens if you, you, know, you do one of these things? He said, well, you're not going uh, to be born again again as a human and I asked him and he went he was driving one day at a trip and he hit and killed a dog accidentally I'm sure yeah no I'm sure it was accident and uh, it would have been and I said wow what about that <laughs> well that was accident that doesn't matter but the other guy that does that, I mean, it's, it's relative. You see, there's just this, this emptiness of this going on. Of there's no hope out there, and so we have to make up a new hope. And this is kind of how folks go along with this thing is, I'm going to not find the answer somewhere else out there. I've got to reshape it to fit me. That woman asked Jesus, from where do you have this water? Where is it? I don't see you don't have no bucket, right? You've got no way to, the well is deep. How are you getting it? Can I tell you this? It's not from within me. 
Can, let me just say this again. There's no living water that comes from me. It's not in me. I don't have the living water. I don't possess it. What that Listen, you know what that means? It means this, that I'm not trying to make people like me. They don't have to be just like me. They don't have to have everything perfect. You know what I'm saying? Three of you are still listening. That's okay. So, that was a joke. It's okay. Listen, I don't have in me, I'm not the, I'm not the source of the living water. I'm not trying to make people just like me. They don't have to be just like me. I'll tell you, sometimes, uh, sometimes we, we spend more effort trying to make people like us. Uh, you live in a, in a unique uh, culture and society here where there's a lot of different cultures combined here. So this, you probably couldn't make everybody like you. It's, a lot, it's very different up here. And every time I come up to the Vancouver area, I notice it is, this is a very unique part of the world in what I see here. Uh, more than anywhere else I've seen. But I'll tell you, often what we want to do is we want to make people just like us, and if they're not just like us, there's something wrong. But the fact is, we're not the source of that water. We're not making them like us. They're to be like Him. They're to be like Him because He is the living water. It just so happens that I get to be the vessel that God uses to draw with. What an exciting thing. It's amazing, really, when you think about it. This, with this woman at the well, Jesus didn't need anything to draw with because he is the source. So where are you going to get this water? The well's deep, and he's, he's trying to tell her, and he's trying to get across her. The answer isn't down there. The answer is standing right in front of you. And he said, if you knew who I was, you'd ask me. But now the Lord is using myself, my wife, and our family to be the vessel to draw that living water to the Sri Lankan people. Can I tell you, folks, there's, there's nothing more exciting than looking someone eyeball to eyeball telling them about Jesus Christ and realizing this is the first time they've ever clearly heard the message of salvation. <laughs> I tell you, it'll give you chills just talking about it, honestly. It's, it's an exciting thing. And we get to do that every week. <laughs> okay, I don't think you got it. Um, we get to tell people, can I tell you, we're in a place that there is no one in the whole state, our whole province, I guess here we know province, I say state because they don't understand province down there. We're the whole, in the whole province, in our province, Sabadagamua, we're the only people in the whole province that is sharing the gospel message. About a million people. And when we come across somebody and we get to share the gospel one-on-one -on -one with them, they have, there's no one else. And when you realize God has chosen to use us as that vessel to let down to that person, I'm telling you, it's exciting, but it's also a bit scary. Hope I don't blow it. And you know what I, what I have to realize? 
It's not what's in my hands. If I, Jesus said, and I, if I be lifted up, will draw all men unto me. Listen, what an exciting thing. And you know the, the exciting part about that is you don't know me as well as I know me. And if you knew me like I knew me, you'd think, wow, why did God choose you? But that woman at the well God used, she was, she'd already had five husbands. She was now working on her sixth one, right? If you know the story, read it later if you don't know this story. She wasn't prime candidate, and God chose her. And we find, if we read on there, we find that many men of that city came to Jesus Christ because of the testimony of the woman. Wow. If God would use her, and God would give us the privilege to be able to be used, can I tell you what? God wants to do that with you as well. And he will. If we will just be in the place that God wants us to be and be used, it's such an exciting thing. Listen, folks, let me say it this way. Um, we all like the harvest, right? We like the, the fresh tomatoes and the corn. We like the harvest. But somebody had to labor there to get that harvest to come up. Enjoy the labor. I have an excited... Listen, I want people to be saved. Hope you understand that. I, I want Sri Lankan people to be saved more than you do. Right? I bet my life on it. And, but you know what? Compared to God, I don't even care. Do you understand? God wants them saved so much more than I do. And you know what I've learned? If I can enjoy telling... And I'll tell you, I've, I've learned to enjoy sharing the gospel with people, whether they want it or not. Folks, we're living in a day with most, most people worldwide don't. So we better enjoy the journey. God wants to use you to be that vessel.